You are listening to an Emmanuel Community Church podcast. For more sermons or information about the church, visit our website at www.emmanuelcommunity.org. This is a day in the life. Actually, this is representing a day in the life. A 24-hour day for each one of us. And let's just think about all the things that come our way in just one day that we deal with and think about that might distract us from the most important things. First of all, we got to represent how the things go into our lives. So we have different things that we're just going to put into this fishbowl, this 24-hour day, and, and see how it fills up. First of all, we'd like a little sleep, right? Some of you get more sleep than others. All of us would like a lot of sleep. At least I would like more sleep. Then not just sleep, but we have a significant amount of our time and part of our life is really about eating. Uh, there's multiple times that we eat in a day, and often we're making plans with people to, to talk about how we're going to eat or where we're going to go. And so we've got to put some time in, a big rock in for that portion of our day. Then there, there's work. And no matter what you're getting accomplished at work, you've got to be there, right? There's a responsibility, a time frame that you've got to be part of that work. Uh, maybe for others of you at school, but a large portion, portion of your day is going to go towards school or work. And then there's family, uh, friends, relationships, and along with those, the social expectations that go along with those. For instance, having children and having children active in like a band program all of a sudden, you have things in your life to go to, to practices and then performances. And so there are all these things that are socially acceptable things that you have to include in your life. So we're just going to put those big rocks in there. And there's space now in our 24-hour day, but already a lot of that space has been taken up. But that's not the end of the day, is it? No, there's lots of other things to do. I mean, just getting ready in the morning. For some, it takes a long time. But just getting ready in the morning, you've got to put some time in for that. And then, you know, we ought to go to the grocery store once in a while and buy some things. And, and there's uh, red lights to wait at and, and lines to wait in as we go and do the things in our life. And just throughout the day, these smaller tasks take up our energy and our attention and again, begin to fill the 24 hours of our life. And if that were all there were, it might be okay. But even Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will have enough troubles of its own. So each day has some of its own troubles, doesn't it? Uh, you know, maybe you go to the, the, to the refrigerator, and you get out a glass jar of jelly, and it falls on your tile floor, and that's going to take some time to clean up, right? Uh, you lose your wallet today, or your phone, or your car keys. All those things could happen in the course of the day. Maybe your children woke up this morning sick. That's going to change the course of the day. And then, of course, you might be out of electricity like some of us were yesterday. And when you're out of electricity, some of us might have had frozen pipes yesterday. All those things go into the day, and we have to deal with them. And now there's not looking like a lot of space, but we're still not finished because someone's going to call us on the phone, and there are going to be text messages, and there are going to be emails, and there are going to be all these things that we're going to have to talk to people, and our day just fills up. 
oh, but I forgot. I wanted to spend some time this day with my Savior, my Lord. I wanted to invest the most important part of my day. I wanted to give to him and I wanted to make sure that everything in my life focused around who I follow and whose I am. So let me just... I guess I'll have to do that tomorrow. That's really what this whole series of sermons has been about. It's been about realizing there is a focus of our lives that is most important. And today's story probably brings out to the front, to the forefront, what it is that Jesus wants of each one of us. Just as he's speaking to Martha in the story, he wants each one of us to see that he is our most important priority. Let's listen to the story as Pastor Denny shares it with us from Israel. Today we come to a passage of scripture that talks about a woman by the name of Martha. And Martha, as you may know, is the sister of Lazarus, the man who was raised from the grave by Jesus. Now, the story of Lazarus is not found in the Gospel of Luke. It's only found in John chapter 11. But today we're going to talk about Martha. And uh, you probably remember her sister, Mary. She's also mentioned here. I'm standing in the antechamber, the place where bodies were prepared before they were placed actually in here uh, for burial. And this is supposedly the place for hundreds of years this has been the designated place where Lazarus was prepared and then buried. So we're standing at the home, very near the home of Martha. And let me read to you as, I, as we come to this passage in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Pastor Denny just mentioned the story from John chapter 10, or I'm sorry, John chapter 11. It's important to understand this story, even though it comes later than our story in Luke chapter 10. This story comes towards the end of Jesus' life, and it centers around the person of Lazarus. The story goes this way. Jesus learns from his sisters that Lazarus is sick, and Jesus is a little ways off, and instead of going to heal Lazarus, he stays in the place that he was a couple more days, and then he says to his disciples, now let's go to Bethany because Lazarus is sleeping. And the disciples don't understand. And eventually he explains to them that Lazarus is dead and he's going to raise him back up. And this is the context of the story that we're beginning here in John. Now, Lazarus, now a man named Lazarus was sick and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love 
is sick. This relationship between Jesus and Lazarus and Martha and Mary really focused around the person of Lazarus. They, Jesus was a bud. Jesus and Lazarus were buds. Kind of like Jesus and John, the disciple John, had a relationship that just, their personality, they just matched, they clicked. The same with Lazarus. But our story focuses around Martha and Mary. Understand that all of these figures are in the home. Jesus, it says in verse 5 of John 11, says it loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. He had an affection for the entire family, but it centered around Lazarus. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus became Jesus' friends. Uh, if Jesus were alive today, perhaps he'd send all of us a Valentine's Day. He cares for us way more than Hallmark does, right? He was willing to die for us, for our sins. But he might send this family a box of chocolates as well because they were his friends. And that's the context that we have to understand at the beginning of this friendship when we read Luke chapter 10. It says this, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now, just a few weeks ago, we talked about 72 disciples that were sent out ahead of Jesus to go to places, all the places where he was about to go. I think it's likely that two of those disciples ended up in the village of Bethany, and those two disciples met a lady named Martha, and she welcomed them in. Do you remember the story that those who welcome you put your peace upon that home and if they welcome you in, then you pray for them and you eat with them and you prepare with them for the Lord's coming and now Jesus is coming. Martha is the one who has been contacted in this village of Bethany that they might go that place. But Martha's not the only one there. She, they stayed in her home and it's interesting that it's listed as her home because in that day, the men were the head of the household, and women did not run households. So even though it's likely that Martha and Mary and Lazarus were all in this home, Martha is seen as the head of the home. Maybe her husband died. Maybe their parents died when they were young, and Martha was the oldest. But Martha is the one in charge, even though it's probable that Lazarus was there. We find, again, in the in the Gospel of John, in the 12th chapter, just after the 11th chapter, where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, they're celebrating in the 12th chapter, and it says there was a dinner given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. In the story today, recognize that it's not just Martha and Mary and Jesus. Luke sets it up so that the main characters in the story today are Jesus and Martha with a cameo appearance by Mary. But there are many people likely coming into this home, being part of this home. Martha opened her home to Jesus that he might be able to share the message of the kingdom of God being near to the people of the village of Bethany. This house is probably astir with people. And that's partly recognized in the fact that Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. We have people into our homes, and sometimes we have people that we really want to honor. And we invite them in, 
And we get busy, the fishes get busy cleaning the house for an honored person. We go in and we clean all the public places and we make sure the room and the bathroom where they're going to stay is in, in good shape and clean and ready for them. But when our life group comes over on a Friday night and multiple families are coming to our house, we go nuts for two hours before they come cleaning up every inch of the house, getting all things, because when the people come in, they're going to be in every nook and cranny in our house. This is what's happening in the home of Martha. There's a lot going on. And in this story, you have to understand that Martha has a good motive. She has good intentions in her heart. She has opened her house. She has welcomed in Jesus. And the way she expresses that welcome is to prepare a house that is worthy to honor him. She wants this place to go, she wants this event to go well. She wants this place to look good. She has a good intent in her heart. She's welcoming Jesus into her home. At the same time that Jesus is welcoming and or I'm sorry, that Martha is welcoming in Jesus, so too is Mary, but in a different way. Notice that the focus continues to be on Martha. She had a sister. Martha had a sister called Mary, who sat at Jesus' feet listening to what he said. Mary was at his feet. Picture yourself being at someone's feet. When you're at someone's feet, you have to look up. Or if they're there sitting foot to foot with you, you have to look at them. You just have to give them your attention. It's a humble place. Whenever people come into any church, not just our church, but any church, people begin usually to, to fill the back rows first. And then there are those brave souls who come up to the front. Because in the front, what do you have to do? You have to pay attention because everybody behind you can see what you're doing, right? They know if you get out your laptop and if you're playing like Minecraft. There's Mary right physically at the feet of Jesus, giving him her full attention. But the phrase means more than this. In fact, we find it other times in scriptures. Paul, when he's defending himself in the book of Acts to a group of Jews, he talks about sitting at the feet of Gamaliel. I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, brought up in this city, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel. Educated strictly according to our ancestral law. He's telling them, I am a disciple of Gamaliel. Someone respected in this city. I have sat at his feet. I have learned what he's taught. Another place in scripture that we just studied not several months ago last year, I suppose it's been now. Jesus goes over to the Gentile region. And he finds there a man possessed. The people have chained him up. He won't keep on his clothes. He is a madman. Jesus drives out the demon. And when the people find Jesus and this man, they came to Jesus and found him, the one, the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And the people were terrified. Because now this man was a disciple, a learner of Jesus. In fact, he wanted to go with Jesus, and Jesus told him, no, you stay. And those things he learned, it, it seems that he taught people around him in his own area, in his Gentile area. This is what 
Mary has on her mind as she welcomes Jesus. She is a learner. She is a disciple. She is showing herself to be one who wants to learn what Jesus is saying as he shares in a room probably filled with Lazarus and men from all over the village. Mary's not supposed to be there. The social expectation is that Mary should be in the kitchen with all the other women making the preparations for the event that's happening. This story is not meant to pit Martha against Mary and Mary against Martha. It's not really about sibling rivalry. It's not even focused on personality difference. It's not trying to take the contemplative lifestyle and say that's the way we should all live. Rather, it is trying to show us Martha's welcome and the distractions that Martha ends up happening in her, in her mind and in her heart and in her being as she's going through her desire to welcome and honor Jesus in. Martha, it says, was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. What does this word distracted mean? A good way to say it is it be overburdened with various distractions so as to be worried and anxious and upset. There's so many things going on. As I go through the house, I look and there's dust over here on the, on, the, on the lampshade, and there's a cobweb over there in the corner, and we've got to get to that stuff. We've got to clean all those things up. They're all over the place. A good way to describe it, because the word itself, it, 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 this, this peri, peri means around, around, and so it's, to, it's like to be drawn off from around, to be drawn off from what you're trying to say, squirrel. to be drawn off from what you're trying to say because of the things that are happening around you. You can't focus on what's really important. And for some of you, you have no idea what that squirrel was about, and you, that could be a distraction of yourself, and that's the point. Things that happen around us distract us, and that's what's happened to Martha. She wants to invite and welcome Jesus in, but now the more important thing has become doing the good. Doing the service. And it's drawn her off. Jesus isn't primarily concerned about our service. Isn't it interesting? Just last week, our story was about a man who poyeod, who did mercy, who did compassion. Last week, it was about doing and this week, in this very next story, it becomes not about doing, but understand that the doing is, comes out of something far more important. The service comes out of something that's grounded in a relationship with a Savior, with a Lord. Jesus isn't concerned just about our service. He wants to have us. He wants to have our hearts, our obedience, and our attention. We say it this way, that God has always wanted our worship 
God wants our obedience, and God wants us to identify with him from the beginning of his relationship with Abraham. This is what God desires, and this is what Jesus wants of us. He wants us, our hearts, our obedience, our attention. He wants us to be there with him. This is what honors Jesus. Martha has gotten distracted about what she thinks is most important to honor Jesus. She has allowed the pull of the good to take over the best. And we need to be able in our lives as we fill it up with all the things that call for our attention, we have to be able to say, I will put in the best first so that all the good things that might be involved in my day are centered around what is most important, what is most primary, what is best. Martha gets so distracted by all the things that are going on. She, She looks and she says, I have so many things that I have to do. My jar is filled, but I'm still finding things that need to be done. And as she thinks about all the things that still needs to be done, she looks around and she says, where's Mary? And now by the things she's been distracted by, and by the way, she's distracted. What is she distracted from? Could it be that Martha really had a deep desire to be exactly where Mary was? She looks at the things and she says, where is Mary? And she says this. She goes into Jesus with all these people gathered, Mary sitting at his feet. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. She gets focused on me, myself, and me, doesn't she? Because of all these things she's focused on. Lord, It's an interesting term that she uses. Because right after she says, Lord, she tells Jesus what he hasn't paid attention to. Right after she says, Lord, she tells Jesus what he ought to do, what he needs to do next. Oh, it's a powerful word, Lord. Actually, in the Greek language, it can mean sir. It's just a a word of respect. Or it can mean one in authority of, of my life. Martha's lost track of what the word Lord means. She's going in to him as a sir, not as an understanding that the one in authority that she's speaking to him. And sometimes we do that with God. We get so focused on the things that we're doing, we expect God to pay attention to the things that we want him to do. And the way Jesus responds to Martha is, Martha, Martha. Uh, when Jesus corrects us, he corrects us gently. We've witnessed, we've witnessed that throughout this series, that Jesus corrects gently. He corrects us gently. Martha, Martha, you are upset and anxious about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. It, it reminds me of the sermon focus for all three weeks that we conclude today, that we are so easily We are so easily distracted by our own human motivations. But Jesus wants to come along and correct us so that we stay focused on him. If we were just to summarize this scene, this is what it might look like. The main focus in this welcome between Martha and Mary 
Martha's main focus is a really good one. She wants to create a wonderful guest environment for Jesus. She wants, she's saying, be our guest, be our guest. Put our service to the test. She wants to create that kind of place for Jesus and the, and the people that are coming to see him. Mary wants to listen to God's word. Martha wants to show honor by making this place a place fit for her Lord. She wants all the details to be covered. She wants this place to go, she wants this to go just right. The way that Mary chose to honor Jesus was to sit at his feet. The center of attention, the center of energy for, for Martha, the center of energy is to get all these things done. To do, 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 do. Mary's center of energy is sitting and listening to what Jesus is saying. Martha is focused on all the social expectation that is on her. All the things that are calling her name. So much so that she even thinks that Mary ought to be brought back into those proper social expectations. And Mary ignores the expectations, and says, no, I'll make the priority to sit at Jesus' feet. And so when it comes to their self-focus, Martha says, where is Mary? This is about me, myself, and me now, and I need her help. Mary's not focused on herself. She's focused on Jesus. And when it comes down and Jesus makes his evaluation. He says to Martha, 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 you are worried and anxious. And friends, I struggle with anxiety personally. I do. But I have learned over the years of my life that as I sit at Jesus' feet, those anxieties and those distractions, they wane off because a disciple, a learner of Jesus, anxiety is removed. Jesus told us not even to worry about things for tomorrow. To be anxious for nothing. Because we have a Lord. And Jesus says, you're worried and anxious. And that's not the mark of my disciple. No, a mark of my disciple is what Mary has chosen. And she has chosen the better portion, the good portion. Literally the good portion. And it will not be taken from her. And I think that's what God calls us to day in and day out. He asks us, will you start, will you make this day foundational with the good portion? Will you take time to sit and listen, to be attentive to the Lord? And you know, if we do, this whole 24 hours will look different. Well, there's good news about Martha and Mary and Lazarus and this whole scene. These people who have just met become friends, and they all learn to call Jesus Lord. After Jesus comes and he raises, or he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead, he comes to the town, he's not quite there yet, and Martha goes out to meet him. John 11, 12, 11 20 says this, Martha heard that Jesus was coming, and she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She recognized who Jesus was and his, the abilities and the 
the, the fact that he could heal her brother if he had been there. And Jesus said, your brother will live again. And, and Martha responded, I know that he'll rise again at the resurrection. And Jesus responded to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will never die, will live even though he dies. Do you believe this, Martha? And Martha says this, Lord, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. It is the great confession that Peter himself made when Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? These words in her mouth show that Martha fully understands now who Jesus is. She is his, she is the Lord. He is the Lord. When Mary comes and reaches Jesus in the same place, she falls at his feet and she says what? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. These two women saying the exact same words because they both understood Jesus as Lord. And the very end of the story even helps us understand more clearly. Six days before Passover, two days before Jesus will go into Jerusalem for his final time for the last week of his life, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived, his buddy, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. There's another dinner happening. This time it's a celebration. Martha served. Isn't that beautiful? Martha served no complaints, no distractions. Martha did what she was wired to do. This was her expression of welcome, and it's a beautiful thing. She served while Lazarus reclined at the table with Jesus. And where was Mary? Mary's was at Jesus' feet, anointing his feet. With perfume. God has designed each one of us in a way that we can express to Him honor and praise, but foundationally, we must know Him as Lord and keep Him there each day of our life. We need to stay focused, don't we? This chapter has helped us to stay focused and understand what it is to rejoice the way God rejoices. It is to show mercy the way God shows mercy. It is to be focused on God's word so that we are focused on him each day of our life. I think the way that we do that is to reflect a little bit this morning. To ask ourselves, what are my distractions currently? In my life, what is distracting me from really making Jesus Lord of every part of my 24-hour day? So I ask that you take some time to write and say, put them down. What are those things that are distracting you along the way? And then, what do you need to change so that those things can be taken away? What steps do you need to take this week in your life? Maybe this rock needs to go in first thing all week long. Consider what they are. Take some time and reflect.
to hear the word is not enough. The word of God is meant to transform us. And so it is my prayer that you will go and do those things this week. May God bless us in it.